month or so ago, um, this group of people met here uh, on the uh, Sunday afternoon, and then they had a hymn sing, and the, uh, or later in the afternoon they met for lunch, and it was called the MYF Reunion. Now, for those of you that weren't born and raised in a Mennonite church and have been here for a number of years, and maybe I should say a conference Mennonite church, MYF doesn't stand for something like uh, Many Young Farmers or something like that. It stands for Mennonite Youth Fellowship. Now, today, even some of our youth don't quite know that term. We just often call it, refer to it as the youth today, but at one time in our Mennonite churches, I understand, and this was before my time, and I mean literally before my time, because I don't remember it. I've just been told it was called literary, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if they got together and discussed books or why. Maybe somebody knows. I don't know, but it was called literary, and then it went to MYF, Midnight Youth Fellowship. And now we just basically call it youth. This year, the Mennonite, and this Mennonite, MYF reunion was for people that grew up here at Salem and had spent time in the youth here or maybe didn't grow up here but were part of the youth and uh, one time that group was I suppose around 80 to 100 often and I remember it being quite large myself when I was first into youth but apparently that those memories uh, and those relationships are dear to a lot of people so they still like to get together every now and then and have this reunion. And this year, I thought it was somewhat of a, a novel idea, but they had their title for their, or their theme this year was Passing the Torch Through the Generations, which, well, we'll leave that where it is maybe for now. But anyway, I uh, kind of found out through the grapevine that in the afternoon I was to have uh, somewhat of a short devotional or meditation at the hymn sing. And so I kind of picked up on that theme, and, uh, and that's what I talked about in that uh, devotional. I'd like to share a message on that this morning, the idea of passing on the faith. Kind of take that devotional, and, and uh, let's look at it this morning. Passing the torch to the next generation, or passing the faith to the next generation. And we can think about that as a church, as a brotherhood. We can think about it as grandparents, parents, and so forth, passing this faith on. Or you can think about it this way, and I'd like for, everyone, for all of us maybe to think about it this way as well. What have you been given, and how are you passing that on to the next generation? Turn with me, first of all, to Romans chapter 1. And I want to establish, first of all, the value of something and why it's important to pass this on to the next generation. So, as we look at Romans chapter 1, Paul here is addressing um, the, Roman, the church at Rome, and he's talking about himself, and, and he talks about the faith there, their mutual faith, he calls it. And then in verse 14, he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So much as in me as is in me is, I am ready. So he says, I am debtor, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for 
I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So he recognizes, first of all, that he is a debtor. And I want to share with you this morning that if you have been given the faith, if you have been taught the faith, if this has been explained to you, you then, if you accept that, you become a debtor to pass that on to others. It's not been given to you just to hang on to and to keep, and that's it. You are in debt to others. And Paul says he is in debt to the Greeks, the barbarian, to the wise, and to the unwise to pass this on. Why? Why should he? So he said, I am in debt to do that, so I'm ready to do it. And he says, because I'm not ashamed of it. And why? Because if you look at the rest of verse 16, he says, because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We have been given something that is the power of God to salvation. It's not just something that, oh, well, we can take it or leave it. Now, I recognize you could say, well, that part of faith is a very basic thing, and, and then how we apply everything else really doesn't matter. Well, I submit to you that it does. And I want to demonstrate the message this morning that what you pass on to the next generation does matter because it will have a great effect on the next and the next and the next. And you get down a generation a few steps, and if it's not passed on well, you get to a point where the power of God to salvation is completely gone, even if the application, it doesn't matter, the application, the, the salvation, everything is gone. It's, and, and you can look around and see example of that over and over and over and over and over again. So, it is extremely important for us. It's imperative that we are careful with how and what we pass on to the next generation. Turn with me back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I thought about this passage this morning. It's very, uh, I think, very fitting for this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I think I'll start reading there at verse 4. Well, verse 1 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. And first of all, and I'll likely mention this later, if we're going to pass something on, we have to do it. It has to be taught to us, and then we need to do it. That's one of the ways we pass it on. We can talk about it. We can teach it. We can do all kinds of things, but if we ignore it in our own lives, it won't get passed on. In verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. This is part of our lifestyle. With all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And since they're in our heart, it says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. It doesn't say you should, oh, maybe teach them once in a while. It's fine. You know, just uh, remind them every now and then. It says, Teach them diligently to thy children, and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and on thy gates. 
Why? Because if you look down into verse 12, and this is after he talks about they're going to get all these blessings they didn't work for, he says, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. If you look at Israel and the history of it, all the way through the Old Testament, you know their history, that over and over and over, they forgot God. And God would remind them, remember what I did for you back there. Remember, remember, remember. And they'd sometimes have a revival, and then, then they'd forget again, and then they'd have a revival, and they'd forget again, and this thing continued on and on and on. Somehow they were not passing on the faith to the next generation. Turn with me to Second Timothy. Chapter 2. <clears throat> We're also planning on having, Lord willing, a deacon ordination. And by the way, you might notice in your bulletin there's some dates there for that in revival meetings. Planning on having deacon ordination here next March. <clears throat> and following that, at some point, we'll probably have another minister ordination. And following that, we may have another one. And Someday you're going to have a bishop ordination, and, and it just keeps going. <clears throat> so as we think about this message this morning, you can also be thinking about, and you think about the brotherhood, who are the men that you believe would be likely to pass on the faith to the next generation? And it's kind of in that context that you'll find this passage here in, in 2 Timothy. So 2 Timothy chapter 2 Starting at verse 1, it says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which thou hast heard of me, <coughs> excuse me, things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then he gives him some things about being entangled with the world and so forth. But notice what he says to Timothy. He says, you have learned some things from me. So, and there have been a lot of witnesses there. They've all heard it. You've been given these things. I have taught you. Now he says, I want you to pass this on and to put other people into positions that will be able to not only pass on what they got from you, but to be able to pass it on to other faithful men. So if you look at this, we're talking about four steps here. We're talking about the Apostle Paul had it. He passed it on to Timothy. He says, now I want you to commit this to other men who will be able to pass it on even further. So there's four steps there he's talking about. Paul wasn't just thinking about himself. He was thinking about passing this thing on generation to generation, to generation, to generation. Now, he was in this particular passage, I believe he's specifically speaking about leadership in the church. And I think that's important when we establish leadership. How do we do that? And how do we, as, as part of the ministry team here, how do we pass this on? So it goes from generation to generation to generation. How, when we look about ordaining men to be in leadership here, we, we need to think about the fact that we want to ordain men who have been handed something that are going to be able to teach other men who can hand it on to the... They're, you know, we're talking down the road a ways. 
One of the things at that MYF reunion that I found interesting is they were, um, at least the one man was giving some, some high praises to men who had went through some hard times here at Salem many years ago. One who I don't remember. As a matter of fact, I think he may have passed away before I was born. Um, and you say, well, how would anybody at that reunion remember somebody like that? Are there people that old? Well, there was one lady there I talked to about something that she had mentioned, and, and she graduated high school the year I was born. And no children. She wasn't over 100 or anything. So um, I know you can't imagine someone. Anyway, um, <clears throat> you'll see it differently when you're my age. But the fact is, there's, they, they were talking about these men who had preached and had taught years ago. Now, a lot of what they stood for and was taught doesn't seem to have caught to everyone that was necessarily giving them high marks, but the fact was those men had, had tried to pass it on, to pass it on, to pass it on down through the generations, and we still want to do that. We want to do that today. Um, if you look over, uh, turn over to the book of Jude. We'll read the first three verses there of Jude. He says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligent to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And then he goes on and starts talking about some false teachers and so forth. Earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. Now, if Jude is already writing to people at this point in church history and saying, it's needful that I write that you earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered, I don't think it's any less important today that we think about this, that we earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. When you think about passing something on, I thought about, and this was actually mentioned that day, the idea of passing on a baton in a relay. And that's a little bit how we are doing this, if you think about it. Someone handed you a baton, and then you need to run to the next runner, and you pass it off. And that's kind of how life is. And then your part of the race is done. It's over. We ran a number of relays when I was teaching school. You know, they'd run the relays, and, and some uh, did better than others, and so forth. But they got one chance at their stretch. And boy, they just run as hard as they could. And once in a while, they didn't do such, well, actually, we didn't practice a lot there. So often, they didn't do the greatest job of handing off the baton to the next runner, like you would see in professional running and so forth. But they, they did, you know, as well as they practiced. And, and sometimes it just didn't get handed very well. <clears throat> and you know what? It messed up the entire race. And somebody down the road uh, had a hard time getting across the finish line because the baton just didn't get passed very well. So I thought about that, and I, I thought about that when I was preparing that talk, and I thought, you know, this right here 
if I have my measurements right, is, is pretty much the official size of a baton that you would hand off in a relay. Pretty good size. You can get two hands on it um, quite easily. And you run with this thing, and, you, and when you get to the next runner, which is the next generation, whether it's your family, church, or whatever, and you, you hand that thing to them, and they've got plenty of room to grip it, and off they go with it. So we're going to assume for a moment that this is what we've all been handed. You might say, well, I wasn't handed a very big baton because you don't know my life. You don't know what all has happened. You don't know how I was raised. And that may be true. We've all been handed things a little bit differently. But you've got the scriptures, and most of us here have been taught well. And we were handed baton. Maybe we weren't. Maybe we had to kind of build that baton throughout life because we weren't handed much. But let's assume for the sake of argument, this is what you were handed. My question is, what are you going to hand to the next generation? Suppose you decide that one's a little too long and you'd rather carry something a little bit smaller. After all, if you're carrying this through life, if you're running with this, you've got a little extra weight. You're swinging your arms, catches the air a little bit, this thing's going to slow you down. Besides that, everybody that sees you, whether it's going to notice it, what's he carrying that thing for? What's that? What's he got? Who's he? Or who is she? What, what's that about? I don't like that baton. I think I'm going to go to one more like this. Because after all, I've still got room to hang on to it, and I've still got room to hand it off to the next generation, right? I mean, I could hand this to Nate here, and he could get it. This could work in a relay, couldn't it? I mean, after all, you could, you could use this to run a relay. It'd be a little bit harder to pass it off, but you could. So the next generation gets one that size. And they're running with it. You've all seen this happen in real life if you're old enough to have watched. It's a little too long. It's a little too noticeable. It's a little too heavy. It's a little too bothersome. I can hand this one off to the next generation. It may be a little bit trickier, but, you know, we get there to the next generation, and I can, I can hand it to them. Maybe I can just slide it on my finger and hold it out, and they'll grab it, and off they go. <clears throat> and they can run with it. And somehow, in just a couple of generations, we went from this that was handed to somebody to that one down there. That's just a little too big. This one's going to get in my way. Why do I have to carry one that way? Because you know what? <clears throat> I don't even remember these. I've never seen those. I've never seen anybody running with a baton that size? Huh. This is all I remember. Why would you need some? What is that? No, I think I'll go with something like this here. 
Nobody can see that one. But I can hand it off. You know, if they hold out their hand just right, I can hand it off. And pretty soon, people are trying to run and hand off a baton like this, and it will not get picked up. And if you cut it any thinner, what have you got? And I think a lot of us, if you think about it, and if I'd ask some of our older ones, many of you aren't here today, if they would think about some of the, maybe the older people in their life, and they'd think about watching the generations, you say, well, that's a lot of generations. What do we got there, five generations? I've got some grandsons here that... In a few years, they're going to be old enough to drive a tractor <clears throat> that my grandpa drove. I remember riding on it when I was a boy. My dad drove it, and I've driven it. And Jessica drove it to Rake Hay. And now when they drive it in a few years, that's five generations. Now I realize John Deere tractors last a long, 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 long time. <clears throat> I had to get that in. I'll hear about that at our Thanksgiving dinner today, but the fact is, five generations go by pretty quickly. I remember my grandpa well driving that tractor, and I hope I live long enough to see my grandsons driving that tractor so I can see that whole spectrum. Where am I at in that? There's another analogy I'd like to share I know we're on sports here a little bit. I don't want to preach on sports, but I use these maybe to help you understand something. Is there anyone here who has never watched a football game, at least in part? I thought I was going to be able to say, praise the Lord, there's a few people that haven't been inflicted. Um, I don't think there's anyone here. So everyone here has seen at least a little bit of a football game. If you would compare a game of football to this idea of passing something on, you were the receiver. And you got the football, and now you're the quarterback. Or the, basically, the center gives it to you. And <clears throat> I don't know why they call him the quarterback. There's only one of them out there. To me, that should be the fullback, because there's only one. Why that's quarter? I've never seen four of them out there at once. But the quarterback gets the ball. And in the game of life, you have one play. You don't get to throw it downfield and it gets bobbled and you get it back and you try three times and finally it's like, well, we're going to go for it on the fourth. No, you, you basically have one opportunity. I'm not saying you can't correct things in life. I'm not saying that maybe if you mess some things up, you can't change that for another child or for something in the church where we're like, whoa, 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 we got to... But for the most part, most of us, by the time we realize that the play has been made, we're not going to go back and start it over again. It's too late. 
So for you young people, think about this. You young people, you've been handed a full-length baton. Let's say it that way. Or you are now the quarterback. You've received it, okay? And you have the football. You've got one play to make. And if you're a wise quarterback in the real game of football, you are able to read something about the defense. You look out there and you look at how they're lined up. And you make, a, you make sometimes some split-second decisions, but you, read the, you look for the defense. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you also have studied the opposition. They tape those games, and then they watch them, and they study them, and they try to figure out how can we manage to get the football past the defense and get it downfield. And so... In the game of life, you're going to get one pass. By the way, there's no rushing yards in the game of life. You're not going to pick, just take it and run on your own and expect it to get anywhere. It's going to have to be passed to the next generation. And so you're given one opportunity, and you'd better be paying close attention to what the defense is up to. Because if you think in a game of football that the defense is out to stop the game or to stop the forward progression of the ball, if you think it's tough there in, in life, our opposition, Satan, and his cohorts want nothing more than to stop every generation. They do not want to see the ball passed downfield. And they'll do everything they can However, we have a playbook that is much wiser. And we've been handed much more than the defense has. And so let's just think about this for a little bit. Let's think about how sometimes this works. So you're the quarterback, and you get the ball, and and you throw it downfield, and you throw a, a beautiful pass and the, and the receiver catches it, and they make some yards, and now it's their turn. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. If you're on offense anyway, that's a wonderful thing. Have you ever noticed sometimes the quarterback can go get back, and, you know, he, he, he looks for it, he throws a beautiful pass to the receiver, and the receiver's right there, and maybe there's some defense around, but I mean, it's a beautiful pass, and somehow it just bounces off. They didn't catch it. Who gets the praise in that? Well, you know, the announcer might say, wow, through a beautiful pass. He just, somehow he just dropped it. He just dropped it. That can happen. Maybe as a parent, maybe you've been a part of a church, maybe you've seen it where there were just some beautiful passes passed on and somehow someone in the next generation simply just dropped the ball. It couldn't have been handed to them much better and somehow they just dropped it. Now, other times you'll see the quarterback go back and he'll, he'll throw and And somehow, he didn't throw a very good pass. 
Maybe this is what's happened to you. The, the, whoever passed it on to you did not throw a very good pass. You, you've maybe seen pictures or, you know, it's the kind they go back and they slow motion over and over and over because this guy just makes this amazing diving, leaping catch. Maybe it's kind of one-handed. He grabs it, slides across the ground, pulls it in, and it's like, how did he ever catch that pass? There are people like that, too, in the church. Throwing a terrible pass, but they've managed to grab it, and they've managed to pull it in. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you'd say, well, if you knew what kind of a pass I was throwing, that's, that's pretty much it. I don't even know how I caught it. Now, my challenge to you is stand up, get on your feet, and throw a beautiful pass downfield to the next generation. And do everything you can to see what the defense is up to so that the pass gets through. Sometimes, well, let me just go back. So you can have a great pass and a great catch. You can have a great pass and a horrible catch or no catch at all. You can have a really bad pass and a good, amazing catch. Or, sometimes, the quarterback is looking downfield. Maybe he's, something's going on. And he doesn't see that the defense is coming up behind him or beside him. And he never passes the ball at all. He gets sacked. Don't be that type of person. I don't want to be, and I don't think you want to be. I don't think you want to be the Christian that was either throwing a bad pass and you managed to catch it, or a beautiful pass and you managed to catch it, and you stand up, it's now it's your turn, and you've been given the ball, and the defense takes you out, and you don't even get a pass off to the next generation. And the game ends right there, basically, for your team. You got one play. Now, that doesn't mean the next generation can't pick it up on their own. That doesn't mean if it's not passed from generation to generation that somehow it can't be picked up. But somebody's going to have to pass it on to those people. If it's not you, somebody's going to have to. And I would also encourage us to let's look for the people who were never throwing a pass in life regarding the gospel. They've never had one thrown to them. Never did. Or maybe it was terrible and they just couldn't catch it. And we come along and we have the opportunity. Paul said, let's, let's go back to Romans chapter 1 and think about that for just a little bit. In Romans chapter 1, I want to remind us that Paul is saying in verse 14 that he is a debtor. Now let's change some things here, and I don't think we're doing anything wrong with the Scripture here, but I, because I think it applies. I am debtor to both my family and my church and my neighbors and anyone I come in contact with, really. I realize some of those people you come in contact with, you're going down the road, you see somebody wave, it's maybe hard to share the gospel with them. I understand that. 
But I'm talking about, in a general basis, we, are, we need to think about the fact that we're in debt to more than just one or two people in our lives. And then, in verse 15, I am ready to preach the gospel. Now, you might say, well, I'm not a preacher. I can't preach the gospel. Well, I think we can all make application from this that we all need to be ready to pass on the gospel to the people we meet or the people we uh, have, maybe have relationships with or someone. And I'm preaching to myself in this as well. And then, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And that's too often why we get sacked and never pass it on. Too many people are ashamed of the gospel. We can all be ashamed of the gospel. But why? It's the power of God, salvation. And again, I realize we can say, well, I'll pass on the, the gospel. But I don't want to pass on all the rest of it. And that's fine. But that's how you get from, I shouldn't say it's fine, but that's how you get from there to there in a short period of time. Because I don't want to pass on too much because it's just too burdensome or it's just too much other stuff. and just Let's just stick with the gospel. And that is, in some people's mind, I believe I have faith and now I'm saved and that's all that matters. And if that's the way it is, and that works, then why are the Protestant evangelical churches today writing books making videos, and decrying the fact that their young people are walking out of the churches in droves because there's nothing there for them. They are doing it in some of our churches as well. But if we think that all of the gospel is just about that thin, the next generation won't need it at all. We've been given so much. We really have. I believe we've been given a lot. And that doesn't mean we've got everything figured out here at Salem or in our conservative Anabaptist circles, but we've been given a lot. And let's not drop the baton. Let's not shorten it. And I encourage you, especially young people, as you think about your lives, your families, getting married maybe or whatever, and, and raising your family, be careful how short you want to make the baton that you pass on because you do, and they'll make it shorter, and they'll make it shorter. And when you see your grandchildren is when you'll notice what has happened. We've been given a great blessing. Let's pass it on. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the good news of the gospel. And God, I just pray that you would help me to be more mindful of the fact that I am in debt to everyone that I have opportunity to share the gospel with. Help me, Lord, to not be ashamed of it. Help me, Lord, to preach it and teach it and share it in my life and in my words to others. And God, I just pray that you would be with each one here this morning, especially be with um, these families with young children, Lord, are such a blessing to the brotherhood here. And I pray, Lord, that you would just give them the, the strength and the courage to pass on what they've been handed, Lord, and just to, to continue this for generations to come until you come back and just receive us to, unto your own. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, be with us now as we go from here this day. I pray, Lord, that you would be with families that are getting together and those that may be traveling home or something later today. Just be with them and watch over them. Bless them as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.